Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it. We have, over the last uh, three Sundays of Advent, have been looking at some of the messages of the angels. And today I want us to just touch on part of the message that we heard just earlier in that reading where the angel appears to Joseph and says, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. And that word Jesus actually means rescuer or deliverer. That's the meaning of that, of that word, of that name, Jesus. She will bear a son. You will call his name Rescuer, Saviour, Deliverer. You will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. I don't know if you have uh, favourite stories, favourite books you like to return to, favourite films that you return to. Uh, I have one. I always know when I'm feeling a little bit poorly because I will want to lie on the sofa and watch an old war film called Where Eagles Dare. That is my go-to familiar favourite story that I like to watch uh, in, on a fit and film. And uh, if I'm taking creche, I do creche a couple of Sundays a month here, and uh, when I'm doing creche, I can guarantee you that this book will draw a crowd. Okay? Diggers, it's dinosaur diggers, and I can guarantee you, if I sit with this, I will have about six children like that, gathered around every week, get to the end of it, and it will be again, again, again. And so we'll start again. There's something about familiar and favourite stories. One of my absolute favourite stories that I return to every year, I've probably read it now for the best part of 30 years annually, is this. A Christmas by Charles Dickens, very well known. Most of us will, if we've not read it, will have seen films of it or cartoons. Every year I read this. Uh, so I've got, got it out. It's quite an old copy. It's actually my mum's. And she was given it in 1944, just towards the end of the Second World War. When you look at it, you can see that the paper quality is pretty rubbish because obviously it was wartime. Um, but every year this book comes out and I will read Dickens' Victorian version of Christmas Carol. And in this story, you know it, well, who knows a Christmas Carol? Who knows the story well? The story of Scrooge. Yeah, most people know it. Some people know it, don't know it so well. It's the story of an old miser called Scrooge who started life off pretty well, but things went desperately wrong for him. He made what we would call these days, he made some poor choices. And then life ends up not being wonderful for Scrooge. And the book starts with these words, Marley was dead. Now, Marley is Scrooge's old business partner. And it is Scrooge's old business partner, Marley, who comes to him one day and begins the process of helping him to see the error of his ways. But there is something quite remarkable about this, and that is because Marley is dead. And for the first few paragraphs of this story... Dickens proves and gives evidence to his readers that Marley was dead. He talks about 
the people who registered the death certificate. He talks about the funeral arrangements. He talks about Scrooge getting a really good deal on the funeral. For the first few paragraphs, he just tries to convince us that Marley really was dead. And then towards the end of that, he says one more time, he says, look, he says, there was no doubt Marley was dead. And then he says this, this must be distinctly understood. Or nothing wonderful can come from the story I'm going to relate. See, he says, that actually, there's something supernatural about this story I'm going to tell. It's only fiction. But you've really, reader, you've got to really understand that this guy, Marley, who helped Scrooge mend his ways, there was something miraculous about this because he'd been dead for seven years. And the remarkable thing, of course, we then know is that actually it's a wonderful story of redemption and actually this is Marley attend, ends up being the first of four ghosts that will visit Scrooge to help him make the, mend the error of his ways. This must be distinctly understood or nothing wonderful can come of the story I'm going to relate. As we have heard this morning already from the carols and the songs and the readings, we can sometimes think that the Christmas story starts with that story of the travel to Bethlehem and the birth in the manger, but actually the story of Christmas, as those readings we heard earlier, started much before that, much earlier than that. Uh, this weekend and next weekend, in loads and loads of churches up and down this country and across the world, in fact, more traditional churches than us, they will have particular service, many of them, called a service of nine lessons and carols. Nine lessons, not, not lessons like a teacher would teach you a lesson, but that's the word that the Church of England uses for readings, Bible readings. Nine Bible readings and carols. And they'll start in a quite unusual place. So Matt said, oh, one of the readings we had earlier felt quite unusual. And actually a lesson of nine lessons and carols starts in an quite unusual place. It starts right back in Genesis. So the first reading that you'll hear if you go to a service of nine lessons and carols will be a reading from Genesis 3, right back in the beginning. And the reader will read these words. God speaking to Adam. And God saying to Adam, Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. You shall eat the plants of the field, and by the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you will return. It seems an odd reading to start a Christmas service with, doesn't it? It's not filled with hope and joy, but, but actually a service of nine lessons and it right because what a service and nine lessons and carols does is it reminds everybody who's in that congregation that nothing wonderful can come from this story that we celebrate now unless we understand something of where it sits and then they'll move on after that first passage that talks about Adam and Eve being cast out of the garden and what that represents is our separation, a permanent separation between us and God. It then moves on to some of the prophecies that talk about 
Jesus coming. One of them we heard this morning already, and it will begin to tell the tale of seven, eight hundred years before Christ, of these messages beginning to come that actually there might be hope. There's a message that actually your sins have separated you, but actually there's this, this glimmer, this glimmer of hope. There are readings that talk about what this, this saviour, this person who may come and deliver mankind from this awful, horrific picture that God paints when he casts Adam and Eve out of the garden and he tells them what the result and the consequence of this is going to be like. And then suddenly in we begin to hear and read that actually there's, there's these glimmers of hope. And so like the reading that Gabriella read just now, we, we get this picture of what this person who's coming is going to be like. And it goes to Abraham, and it, and, and, and it tells the story of God meeting Abraham. Abraham, who was the first of the Hebrew, the Jewish nation, the father of the Jewish nation. It tells the story of Abraham and God saying to Abraham, mm, th- through you, through, through your seed, through the children that will come from you, through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. There's this like this this emerging picture of hope that begins to develop, this picture of this person who's going to come. He's going to have the spirit of the Lord on him, uh, and he's going to have this spirit of wisdom and understanding, a spirit of counsel and might. And then there's a few more carols, and then the service moves to a reading that we would all know really well. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light again, a prophecy written 700 years before Jesus came, but this prophecy that says, look, something's going to happen. There's people walking in darkness. You're walking in darkness, but but actually the people who walk in darkness, they've seen a great light. On those walking in the shadow of death, a light has dawned. For to us a son is born. To us a son is given. Government will be on his shoulders. And this is what he's going to be like. His name's going to be Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and of the increase of his government, there'll be no end. And then the service of nine lessons and carols moves to the New Testament and begins to unpack through some of the readings like the ones we heard this morning, the story of what actually happens. That lovely story that we just saw penciled out for us. Great video clip. And a number of those readings just unpack the story of the birth and the shepherds and the kings. And then this service moves to its crescendo. A few more carols, and it comes to the last reading. And the last reading in a service of nine lessons and carols is taken from St. John's account. John, the apostle John, who was described in the Bible as probably being Jesus' closest friend, who'd lived with him and walked with him while he was alive on earth. And John writes, now on the other side of the crucifixion and the resurrection, and he writes the majestic words, and these words are read out at the end, towards the end of a, a service of nine lessons and carols. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. What's this word? And as we read on, we realize, we discover this word that John's talking about is Jesus. In the beginning was Jesus. In the beginning was the word. 
And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, John says, and the darkness does not overcome it. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, John says, the world did not know him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who received him, to all who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory as of the only begotten Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. And then they sing, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, to finish, which is what we're going to do in a minute. Do you know, there will have been millions of people, and over these next couple of weeks, there will be millions of people who are exposed to the story of the baby in the manger. There will be millions of parents and grandparents sitting in church and school halls watching their little ones reenact the story of the baby and the manger and the shepherds and the kings and the angels. And there will be many millions of people this year who will leave representations of that little bit of the story with a sense of a warm glow. They'll feel good. They've just seen little one dressed in a tea towel and tinsel, and it's got that warm, glowy Christmas feel to it. Will anything wonderful come from it? Probably not. For many of those millions and millions who are exposed to that tiny bit of the story, nothing wonderful will come from it. But when we understand something of where that story sits, of what that story means for us who had been cast out from God's presence and separated, and what it means for us, then something wonderful comes from it. And no wonder as Christians at Christmas we can truly celebrate. We can feast. Do you know that? Christians are the most qualified people to go and have a feast at Christmas. We can feast. We can celebrate. When we realize and remember again that this story that we've heard year after year after year, where it sits in God's story, in our story, where that little bit of the story that we remember at Christmas, where it sits in the whole trajectory of man's sin and God's judgment and then his love and forgiveness. Then we celebrate, we can celebrate Christmas. We can kneel with the wise men and worship. We can sing loud and long with angels. We can go like the shepherds and tell everybody about the story that they had heard concerning this child. 
but it has to fit. For something wonderful to happen, it has to fit within that broader story. And it's been lovely today just to revisit church family and any visitors, you're welcome, but church family particularly as well, to revisit through the words of songs and carols and the readings the story of where this fits and what it means for us. Rescued, delivered, forgiven. A father, a friend in Jesus. It's wonderful. And so, I think we should probably do what will be done across many hundreds and thousands of churches and finish our service today with the song where we join in with the angels. Hark the herald angels sing. And let me encourage you as you just sing these words, though they are old, and though some of them are sometimes a little difficult for our 21st century minds to get our heads around, the words of this carol, probably better than most, tell the story of what it is that we celebrate and the wonder that comes from this story when we remember what it represents for us. So let's stand together, shall we? You have just listened to a Beacon Church recording. If you would like more information about us, our vision, the team, or upcoming events, please visit our website, which is beacon-church.org. You can email us at office at beacon-church.com or find us socially on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You are welcome to share this recording as you wish, but please do not make any edits without express consent. Thank you.